We're learning a sikha here on Parshas Noyach. It's in the 20th volume of Likut HaSichas, volume 20 of Likut HaSichas, the portion of Noyach, the first sikha in the book 20. <coughs> on the Pasuk in the beginning of our Parsha, these were the children of Noyach. Noyach is tzaddik. Noyach was a righteous man. Tamim He was faultless in his generation. Then in the so there's two explanations. Rashi brings two explanations in his commentary on the Torah. What does it mean that in his generations he was a tzaddik, righteous and faultless? Some of our sages say, oh, this is very praiseworthy. This tells you the greatness of Noach. Because even though he was in a decrepit generation, he was surrounded by horrible people, he managed to maintain his integrity. That shows on a real strength. <clears throat> Some rabbis looked at it in a uh, in a uh, judgmental eye, and they said, ah, he was only a tzaddik based on the contrast to the wickedness of his generation. If he were to be in a good generation, he wouldn't have shone out. He wouldn't have stood out so much. Those are the two <coughs> approaches we can take to it, says Rashi. According to the opinion, though, that in his generation is not praiseworthy, which means that he was outstanding in his generation, but in other generations he would have been more mediocre. Or to use the language Rashi says, in the generation of Avram, he wouldn't have been noteworthy. <laughs> sometimes, um, sometimes we're in positions where the greatness, or, or I could say the the neediness, or the um, the um, indispensability that we provide is because there's nobody else around. And um, whereas if we'd be somewhere else, maybe where there were more candidates for that fulfilling that need, maybe we wouldn't be so. Mm-hmm. So you always have to know that. So he says, Noah, that's that's the negative way of looking at it. So we don't understand, though, what does it mean if he were to be in the generation of Avram? That sounds like he wasn't. But if you do your history, you'll find out that Avram was 58 years old before Noah passed away. As the Eben Ezra points out, Avram was 58 when Noah passed. He says there's a there's a simon. Noah is Nunchet, 58. <coughs> Avram, Noah, Noah, Avram. Avram was 58 when Noah passed away. That seems like he was in the gener- like Noah was in the generation of Avram so. So even though you could say, okay, look, Avraham didn't become Avram Avinu in the very beginning. So when Noah passed, Avram was just 58. He hadn't yet developed to the big level of tzaddik, perhaps. And we know that Avram Avinu himself said that I'm fearful, perhaps the years that I sinned or that I erred before I came to the full realization and the years that I had some contact with idolatry, maybe that will not stand in my stead. So in other words, Avram, we see, didn't become automatically the great Avram. However, it didn't take till he was 58 years old. We, According to all opinions, Avram Avinu recognized his creator before 58. And not just he recognized his creator because there was some godly sign that was revealed to him. On his own initiative, with his own investigative and cognitive powers, he came to the realization, he came to the realization of Hashem. As the Rambam 
this Rambam is going to be a cornerstone of the Sikha. The Rambam speaks at great length in the beginning of the laws of idolatry, how Avram of himself came to know and to recognize Hashem. He didn't have a teacher. He didn't have any instructor who opened the lights for him. He, through meditation, through thinking, through he came to that realization. Not like Noyach, where Noyach's recognition of Hashem is, it, it seems, was not on his own volition, was not on his own accord. As we find when it comes to the secret of Ibor, when to make a leap year, you know, the lunar and the solar calendars are not lined up. There needs to be the, the information that we have about how to line up, how to align the years. We find explicitly, it says, that Noyach was a recipient from Hanoch and Metushelach. Metushelach, the longest living human, was the grandfather of Noah. He transmitted information that he ostensibly had received from Hanoch, who was righteous, or from Adam. <clears throat> and they passed on information about how the calendars should be aligned. Can I ask a question? Just let, let's uh, finish this point, and then we'll ask a question. Especially as the Rambam says, Metushelach had himself a house of study, and he had a court, a basedin. So certainly his main grandchild, Noach, was a student there. <clears throat> so he was definitely a recipient of others before him as well. In other words, he didn't come to it on his own. Also, we find that in their progress in keeping to the path, Noah, it says, walked with Hashem. Right? Hashem walked with Noah. He needed to keep on supporting him and inspiring him so that he didn't leave the path. Avraham had this uh, spirit of, um, of um, you could call it uh, pioneerism, where he was self-motivated and he didn't have the constant input from Hashem to keep him going. So, very different. So how can you say, in other words, Avraham Avinu, therefore, we know, came to it before he was 58. So Noah was in the generation of Avraham. <coughs> Why do we say, if Noah would be in the time of Avraham, he wouldn't have been as great? Even if you want to say that the generation of Avraham means and starts not from the time when Avraham Avinu self-discovery path, but it means when he created a movement. We know there's the verse that says, that when he's told to leave his house and his, and his country and his place of birth, it says that he took he took himself, his wife, his family, and all the souls he had created in Kharan. What does it mean he created souls? It means the people that he had convinced to come under the umbrella of belief. So perhaps that's the beginning of Abraham's generation. Maybe we're saying that Noah, if he would be in the generation of Abraham, in the time of Abraham's outreach, and we know that there's very important, um, there's a very important mark when Abraham Avinu began, um, began teaching to others because I'll soon explain to you why, but just to, to finish the question, the Gemara says that we have a tradition, an oral tradition that Avram was 52 years old when he started building up the community of believers. He did amazingly well, by the way, because the uh, big part of the world today, even, that 
I believe is the one God. And ironically, we will say it, that in terms of belief in one God, we're more on the same page as Muslims than we are with Christians in terms of pure belief. But the father of all monotheistic belief, the one who single-handedly changed the world, as we're going to discuss in more depth, was Avraham Avinu. That started when he was 52 years old. Noah passed away when Avraham was 58 years old. So he definitely was in the generation of Avraham. One second. I want to go. I want to. I want to. Derek has a question for us. Is it time? Yeah, it was a time. My question is How do we say that Abraham, like, like Ramam teaches, he figured it out on his own when wasn't there the, the Shivot of Shem and Aver? And uh, okay, let's see. You're asking a good question. Why do we say Avram didn't figure it out? It wasn't there an unbroken tradition that had already existed? And he even met Shem when he gave the let's, uh, tithe to let's, uh, let's see. If, let's learn the Sikha because it deals very much with this whole topic. And let's see if we still have the question at the end. Then we'll we have to come back to it. We will. Simple question. Simple question is how are generations defined? My kids, thirty years, thirty years, thirty-five. I never in my generation. Right. I understand. You're asking, how do you define generations? Because we consider, let's say, grandchildren or children that are not the same generation. I think in this context, we're trying to say, can we compare? If you were living in a time where you can be compared to somebody else alive, how would you rate? So here, it's not so much about the definition of generation in terms of genealogy or in terms of counting counting the history of the world. It's a com comparison. Now, here he was in the time where Abraham, I mean, I think that's, he was 58 when he when, when, when Noah passed away. So he definitely was a fully developed um, messenger of the faith. And therefore, how did Noah uh, um, measure up to that? When I was a kid, I was always taught that Abraham's father was an idol. Right, idolater. He was a, Abraham's father was a seller of idols. <laughs> Again, we're going to get a little bit more. It actually gets very specific okay. about. That would seem to be Definitely. Ah, you're saying by by the fact that his father was trying to stuff idols down his throat, that was. It's enough of an instinctive that was enough that was in a in a in a in a in a not a roundabout way but in a uh how would you call it uh, counterintuitive way it's it's sparking yeah which way it creates an anti it creates a it creates a resistance to that concept <laughs> yeah Yeah, some people are rebels. You're right. You're right. <laughs> you have to hope that when your kids rebel, they rebel about the stuff you want them to rebel about. Yeah. Okay. Second paragraph. Now let's jump in and do a deep, deep analysis of Avram's development into the believer that he became. About the age of Avram recognizing his creator, there are several opinions. There's an opinion that he was three years old. There's an opinion he was 40 years old. There's an opinion he was 48 years old. There's an opinion he was 50 years old. Most of those sitting around the table, excluding some of the younger ones, are of the age we should already be of recognition, past 50. The Rambam, in the laws of idolatry, says that he's not teaching you idolatry. He's teaching you 
what is idolatry to stay away from and how to get rid of idolatry. In the Rambam, in the laws addressing idolatry, says that Avram Avin was 40 years when he recognized his creator. So the Ravid, Rabbi Avram ben David, who challenges the Rambam on many occasions, but his, his uh, glosses are included in many of the manuscripts, many of the prints of the Rambam, not manuscripts, the prints. So he writes that there's an Agada, there's an Agadic source that says he was three years old. As it says, Ekev asher shama Avram b'koli. Because Avram listened to my voice, but the word Ekev, Minyan Ekev, you take Ekev and make it into numbers, it's 172. Avraham lived to 175. The Pesach telling you, Hashem listened, Avraham listened to Hashem for 172 years. What about the other three years? He didn't know Hashem. Only at three he got to know him. <coughs> so when we identify how many years Avraham served Hashem, 172. So that's where he says that shows us that from three years old on he was already with the program. The Kesef Mishnah, the it's actually Rabbi Yosef Karo, right? Commentary on the Ramah. He explains that you can actually, they don't have to be arguing, you can fulfill both these both these sources because at three years old, that's when he started developing and thinking that it can't just be that the world comes from idols. And that's when he started recognizing creating. But when he was 40, that's when he had a developed concept and an awareness of Hashem in a more mature and developed way. So the Rambam wrote the age at which he had come to a complete understanding, which is 40. And Leivet says there's an agadic material that speaks about three. That, yes, that's true. That's when it started. Now, the fact is that the Rambam speaks about 40 and not um, 48. Many books say 48. So Kesef Mishnah says possibly it must be that Rambam had enough different version of the Medrash, Medrashic source that, that says 40. That's why he says 40, not 48. <laughs> However, we have to understand, since most of the versions we have speak about Avram being 48, not the Rambam's quote of 40, so why did the Rambam, we assume the Rambam saw the various options, the, var the, the variations in the Medrash, and he could have chosen the version of Medrash that said, 48. Why did he choose the 40-year-old one? In other words, Rambam, we assume, saw various manuscripts of Medrash. One says 48, one says 40. Most other people went with a 48, that Avram was 48 when he recognized God. Why does Rambam choose to take the version that says 40? Also, we have to understand, since you're able to speak about Avram at 3 and at 40, and both are really not in argument with each other, because it's talking about different stages of recognizing Hashem, and the Rambam himself speaks about Avraham Avinu in his youth. The way he describes it is, when Avraham Avinu was young, once this strong individual, strong-minded individual had become weaned, he started to, so to speak, travel in his mind or, or, or engaged his mind. He was still a kid. He started to think, etc., about where's the world from? <clears throat> so, why does the Rambam why does the Rambam not indicate that this was a, at three years old? What if, in other words, if everybody is in agreement, says the Kesef Mishnah, that three it started at forty or forty-eight, it developed. Why doesn't the Rambam also, rather than just saying when he was young, he started to develop it? Why does the Rambam say at three years old he started to develop it? So this will lead us. <laughs> Into a uh, 
actually a very important topic for us about belief. <laughs> Paragraph three. You have to have patience to get to it. So we understand all this by first understanding the general gist of the Rambam's explanation and the laws addressing idolatry. In the first pedic, the Rambam starts, he goes like, the Rambam gives history. Now, Rambam doesn't usually give history. Here it seems like a beautiful historical narrative of how idolatry developed. He goes like this. In the days of Enosh, people made a big, ta'ut gadol, people made a big mistake. And he explains their mistake. And he explains, I'll just give you the gist of it, that everybody knew God was in charge. But at some stage, they said, but God appointed generals, sun and the moon. And at some point they said, you know, the sun and the moon can make independent allocations. <clears throat> we all know when it comes to, to governments and kingdoms, <clears throat> the king may be in charge, but he appoints people that have their own their own decision-making powers. And if you become buddy-buddy with one of the guys in charge, you can you can uh, maybe get yourself some uh, additional budgets and stuff like that. You know, that's what uh, they have. Um, what do they call them today? Um, lobbyists. Lobbyists. Yeah, lobbyists. <laughs> so they said if you lobby the sun or the moon, bring them up a nice, a nice, um, a nice sacrifice, say a nice chant, the sun will shine better on your crops. You get better crops. The rains will come better. Seems incredible. Uh, but the pasuk where it says they profaned the name. When I'm, there's one pasuk that says this is the time. When they know yeah. yeah. So that's when they started profaning the name of Hashem, right? Right. Right. So basically, from that was the beginning of the mistake. Thank you. <laughs> but from that, it degenerated into forget about God, the big boss. We don't we don't even think about him. And then from that, it degenerated into the sun and the moon. They are deities in their own right, <laughs> and God was forgotten. Then the Rambam continues in Allah base, and after many years, there were false prophets that came and said that Hashem said, serve that particular star. And then he explains how it started by serving a particular, worshipping a star. And then he says how later it became that Hashem's name was forgotten by all the creations. And there was nobody who still maintained the awareness of Hashem, except for individuals like Hanoch, Metushelach, Noah, Shem, Ve'ever. And that's the way the world was, literally Mizgalgal was developing and, and 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 rolling along, so to speak, until the pillar of the world was born of Ramavinu. The world was just degenerating and there were some individuals that knew stuff, but the world was just evolving into a place of a jungle of idolatry. And then in the third halacha, the Rambam says, at length, how Avraham came to recognize his master, his creator, and about all the deeds and the very high-level things that Avram did in order to implant the Iker Godel, this big fundamental point, recognizing Hashem and the need to serve Him. And then he, where he implanted it in the hearts of thousands and tens of thousands. He, <laughs> the next stage was to inform Yitzchak. Yitzchak transmitted to Yaakov. Yaakov taught it to his sons. And the way the children... Then the children of Yaakov also, what their situation was till Moshe Rabbeinu came and gave the mitzvahs. And he gives a long historical dissertation, which is unusual for Ramam. We don't understand that Ramam is a book 
clearly the Rambam said, I came to write halachas, laws. And why is he saying history here? This belongs in a history book. So we need to, why, when we're talking about Jewish law, we need this historical perspective. The whole chapter in the Rambam speaks about the way that you would expect to see it in a history book. The origins of ancient beliefs, you know, idolatry and the restarting of belief in God. How is that getting to a book of Allah? <clears throat> then the Ramam finishes off in the end of his historical narrative that Hashem chose the Jewish people as a permanent inheritance. He crowned them with mitzvahs. He informed them the way and the path to serve him. And what will be the judgment meted out to idolatry and to all those who err and make the mistake of following it. Yeah, but he, 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 he didn't need to bring all that. He just could have said, there's a, let, let's, let, let's hear the Rebbe proposes in the next paragraph. What the Rambam could have done. Were the Rambam just to have introduced that Adam the first was instructed not to be idolatrous. So you could explain that why is he bringing this whole history is because um, he wants to explain that um, later the Rambam says anybody who denies God is denying everything that the prophets were, were instructed all the way from Adam the first till the, end, till the end of time. Moreover, since also the Noahides, the children of Noah, were instructed against idolatry, so what happens with this lengthy historical narrative is that we can say even though, in other words, don't say that the fact that idolatry was universal is because it wasn't forbidden. In other words, Rambam saying that the children of Noah were forbidden in it, but hey, every, you're trying to tell me everybody was doing something forbidden? Everybody's doing it. So he's giving you the history why everybody's doing it. It was a degeneration. It wasn't a defog. But the Rambam, in this parak where he speaks about the historical perspective, doesn't even mention that Adam Rishon was instructed against Avedizah. And he doesn't emphasize how even then it would have been forbidden. It seems to be merely a historical narrative. So which leads us to say that we have to understand why this history is brought into a book of halachas. So, in other words, let's 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 get even better. The answer is going to be we're pushing for the question and not just to sweep it under the rug because the answer is going to be very, very fundamental to the way we view belief. Paragraph four. We could say that the first paragraph of the laws of Avedizara and the length at which the Rambam goes to speak about the historical perspective is an introduction to all the laws of idolatry about idolatry in Rambam. Explanations like this. The sin of idolatry, even though there's the active prohibitions, you're not allowed to do, it's called avodah zara, foreign service, foreign acts, which is to worship, to bow, to slaughter something to an idol. <clears throat> However, the content of the prohibition of idolatry and, and the main point of it is, it's got to do with the perception of man, with the thought process of man, with a feeling in a heart. 
when a person thinks in his mind and heart and believes that a created being or an angel or a, a, a planet is a god, is a deity, or an independent intermediary with its own identity that intermediate inter in that can interface between you and God, that's a problem. Now, this is also this is this is actually also a defined prohibition. Like the Rambam specifies in the laws at the beginning of the second chapter about idolatry, <clears throat> the main instruction about idolatry is that a person should not worship any of the created beings, not no, no, even not an angel or so on. Even if the server of this angel knows that Hashem is the big boss, and he's just serving this intermediary the same way the initial Enosh people did, because they tried to say, Hashem said, respect those that stand in front of me. He says, don't listen to that. The Torah has warned about this. In other words, lest you think that the Torah says uh, in, in Deuteronomy, in Devarim, in case you raise your eyes heavenwards and you see the sun and the moon, which Hashem has given them power, and you say, I'm going to serve them, that's a mistake. That's a mistake. And about this, Hashem said, don't serve idols. In other words, don't make the mistake in having a faulty perspective in your heart and mind to worship any of those things or that you need any of those things to be, to be an intermediary between you and the Creator. And in further lore, in the further halachas, he continues, Hashem <coughs> instructed us not to read any of those books about idolatry, not to think about it, not to speak about it. This is a little tough for some people to swallow. And, and, and many people think we should be open-minded and but there's a halacha not to bring these philosophies into one's mind it's a clear halacha in Ramam and all of these prohibitions they all point to one place as the Ramam a person should not put his attention or turn after idolatry not just idolatry alone is forbidden in terms of thinking about it but every thought this is a quote from Ramam. Kol machshav, any thought, which causes a person, to uproot one of the fundamentals of Torah, is a forbidden thought. So therefore, let's let's carry on. We'll, I think we have to flesh this out. Paragraph 5. From this is understood. In order to fully fulfill the prohibition against idolatry and the positive mitzvah of not fulfilling idolatry, it's not enough just to know the practical laws, what you should do and what you're not allowed to do. And the contrary, first and foremost, fundamentally you need to know the thought, you need to know about the, 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 the philosophy. You need to know how you should be feeling, how you should be thinking about a creator and not allowing anything to get to be placed in your mind as an intermediary between you and the creator. And that's why Rambam goes into this great depth to give you the history because you need to first implant into your thought. It needs to be a, a, a we need to have a meditation, a thought process, something we can understand and relate to in our hearts that all the creations of the world don't have their own identity, independent identity. 
And therefore, it makes absolutely no sense that you should respect any of the created beings. They're simply created beings of Hashem, totally hinged and dependent on Hashem's constant input. And therefore, no respect is due to them. No importance is due to them. Neither a angel, nor a planet, nor a star, as the Rambam says, or any of the four bases of, of, of creation, fire, earth, and uh, gas, and water. More than that, the introduction to the laws of Avedah Zarev about idolatry is not about, is, is relevant not just to the prohibition of idolatry, it's relevant to all the mitzvahs. Because staying away from idolatry is the fundamental base upon which all mitzvahs stand. And so that's why the Rambam takes such a lengthy dissertation in the first parak to explain what the what the process was intellectually for people to devolve into idolatry. They made a mistake. And he says, the thinking people of that generation. This wasn't the, the uh, pagan rabble, as we would like to think. You know, the, the barefooted uh, Stone Age, uh, um, you know, unsophisticated people. This was the, 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 the thinking people of that generation. And he explains that their mistake was not such a was was a subtle mistake. It wasn't such a it wasn't such an off the wall mistake. <laughs> the mistake was that they said since Hashem created these terrestrial beings, these, these incredibly powerful creations that He created, and as you see that Hashem gave them honor, Hashem invested them with incredible energy. Imagine the sun; it's got it's 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 it's, it's, it's incredible. Hashem created that, so therefore it's fitting that we should. <laughs> give respect and honor and praise to that body. Build temples for them, serve them. The Rambam wants us to understand <clears throat> that the main reason for idolatry, even the way it was in the days of Enosh, when they thought that they were doing, they thought the big boss would appreciate what they're doing for the guys that he's put in charge. But they want us to understand that this is ridiculous, not just because Hashem said you're not allowed to think that way, but it's the antithesis of truth and of the reality. It's it's anti um, uh, anti intellectual. It's anti. Uh, it's illogical. It came from a from a mistake. People made a fundamental mistake. But now that we know that Hashem is alone, they knew that Hashem was the creator. Their mistake fundamentally was that they assume that Hashem wants them to build, maybe he's busy, maybe he doesn't want to deal with them, maybe he'll be happy. Most people will be happy if you don't nudge the big boss. Go to my underling, go to my subordinate, go to my go to my uh, chief of staff. And, and they made that fundamental mistake that Hashem had appointed others to be intermediaries. But he wants us to understand, he wants us to think it through and understand the ludicrousness of it and to come in our own minds not serving idols is not just about saying don't do this, don't do that. <laughs> it's about under, get, getting through our cognition into our minds and, and hearts and souls that there is nothing but God and therefore we have it's forbidden. If we don't need to put any intermediary, it's actually forbidden when you honor some something that it, it's, it's, it's disrespectful to the king when you're honoring something else which is nothing in front of him. And in the second halacha that Amam says, the lowliness and the various, even worse ways of idolatry that there are, saying, 
Shlomo said to serve this, worship this idol. And the priests were saying that if you do this worship to this particular deity, you'll be successful. Or if you speak to the planet, the planet has called out, worship me. And it came and degenerated to the place where they said that this planet has the is the one that has the ability and measures the good and bad that comes to you into the world. And this is all because there were there arose within the community within the world false prophets. In other words, that the subtle mistake that Hashem had wanted for others to be honored devolved and degenerated to such a descent which makes absolutely no sense and it becomes opposite anything intellectual and it becomes what the false prophets and the other um, charlatans were saying and this ultimately brings to totally forget that there is even a big boss that there is even Hashem which happened then but with the time Hashem's presence was totally forgotten by anybody else they forgot there's that this was all supposed to be part of a hierarchical chain that they mistakenly thought, or they were led astray so much God wasn't mentioned at all. The God part of that, of that, of that uh, philosophy was taken out, and because of that mistake, where God was taken out, it went down and degenerated, degenerated till there can be a forgetfulness that there's even a creator of the world and somebody, a being that leads the world, controls the world. And then the Rambam says in the third Allah, Avram Avinu, uh, he came. He doesn't say that somebody came and gave him a eureka moment <laughs> or, or told him something or, he got, you know, he got a tweet and said, oh, see the light. No, no, no. How did Avram, now that the Rambam built up, you see what the Rambam did? He built up how, how we degenerate, how humanity degenerated intellectually. Subtly first, then to a place where they were totally off the path. Now, how it built up is Avram Avinu came to the knowledge of Hashem on his own, which tells us how a person who is a thinking person should be able to negate and think himself away from idolatry. Because even when Avram Avinu was between peer pressure, of idolatry, and it says he was serving with them. And as you pointed out, the Medrash says his father was a was a salesman of, of idols. Nonetheless, he was the one that understood the truth, and he understood the path of righteousness from his own cognition, and he understood the whole world was making a mistake. More than that, the Rambam says that how did he come to it? He says, Vutomea, he, was in a, he was wandering and thinking and meditating. How is it possible that this particular planet, planet Earth, can be constantly operating and there shouldn't be an operating uh, director, so to speak? Who's causing it to go round? Who's causing it? Some, nothing can happen just by itself. And his heart thought about it and understood and comprehended. In other words, the creation itself proves and, and forces us and reveals to us the way of truth, that there is a God who creates, who runs the entire universe. <clears throat> All of this is still an introduction to the laws of how to deal with idolatry. This not only helps that a Jew should be able to be more cognizant of why he needs to be um, careful not to fall into doing idolatry. This more than that, this creates the pathways in his mind and heart 
that the truth should be embedded and planted within him and should be able to protect him, not to even have any room in his philosophical, inquisitive mind to have this kind of a mistake or degeneration into the wrong place. Because in his own mind, he understands the simplicity of it, that there's a world as a creator. One of the one of the one of the beautiful examples. I heard as a, I heard it as a kid. I'll say it the way I like to say it now. I'll say it the way I heard it as a kid. It was on a kid's tape when I was growing up. Uh, a king challenged a wise Jewish leader, prove there's a god. He said, "Look, I'm going to need a inkwell and a pad to be able to write my answers." Um, okay. He was a beautiful artist. The rabbi made a beautiful portrait and he poured out the ink near the... After he finished the portrait, he poured out the rest of the ink. So it looked like there was a track of the ink going to the to the pad. King came in and says, Rabbi, I didn't know you are such an artist. He says, no, no, I didn't do it. Says, what do you mean? He says, no, the, the ink spilled and the beautiful portrait came out. He says, come on. He says, you still want me to prove there's a creator? <laughs> creator. The world, the fact that there's a world that operates, it synchronizes, it's it 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 uh, thing. You you don't have to go too far, but these pathways, these new neurological pathways and thought processes and meditations, this is part of the laws of our desire. It's not just the the blatant don't bow. It's the don't bow is the outcome of what we're supposed to understand in our minds, right? Which is not the same way, by the way, in other mitzvahs. Other mitzvahs doesn't make a difference. You don't have to. You don't have to understand what Shabbos is. You don't work on Shabbos, you did the mitzvah. It, it doesn't have to be as an outcome because you understand six days a week. Yes, there's a there's an aspect of, of the... Of course, kavana is very important, but here we're saying this is... The, the, the whole point of idolatry is in the head. So there are acts we're not allowed to do, but if somebody is thinking idolatry, and is that even if he didn't do an act, if he believes in something other than God, that that's a sin. So we need a... So according to this paragraph six, we can explain what the Rambam chose. Remember, we said he had two different versions. He could have chosen that Abraham became cognizant at 48 or 40. He chose 40. You know why? Because we talk about 40, we understand what he's trying to say about the negation of Avedizara. What do we know about 40 years old? Our sages tell us that when a person gets to 40, he gets to the age of discernment, of understanding, Bina. In other words, when a person gets to 40 years, they're naturally in his cognitive skills and in his intellectual skills. He comes to a place of completion. He comes to a deeper, excuse me, a general deeper understanding. Like we say, when a person is thirty, is at the height of his strength. That's got to do with 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 human nature. Similarly, when a person is five, that's when he studies the chumash because that's his that's the natural state of his cognitive abilities. When he's fifty. He gives counsel. Some say at 50 you learn you're supposed to take counsel. At 50 you're able to give counsel because it's you've been through enough in life. You, you have what to share. At 60 it's called old age. That's already when a person starts to feel signs of elderliness in some level and so on. Anybody who's 60, don't worry. It's just the beginning of, you know, recognizing the gift. They say today 60 is, uh, yeah, whatever. Anyway, so... <laughs> As I inch closer to it, I want to, you know, reassure myself. I'm still young. <laughs> yeah, so from this we understand. 
that the understanding and the recognition about the reality of the creator and the understanding and recognition about the negation of other other of of the of the um independent identity and importance of anything else other, outside of Hashem is something that is also connected with the full development of the created beings seichel intellect it's not higher than to be able to be intellectually understood in the human mind and that's why <coughs> the Ramam takes the version of 40 that Abraham saw and perceived God at 40 because that's the age when perception becomes naturally to its more developed stage. And this fits the whole content of this halacha and the whole chapter. Um, even though the Rambam, no question, says that, also agrees that as age goes along, a person develops more in his wisdom, and that's why there's the 48, he brings it to the version of 48, the 50, in other words, it doesn't stop, but it's all part of the natural progression of a person's intellectual settlement and discernment and capability, which is all a part of the laws and the process of negating idolatry. Now we also understand why the Rambam doesn't stay in the beginning of the halacha about the, the age of three when he started to develop this thought. He just says that he started to know Hashem when he was young, but he doesn't say the age, because that may give room for a mistake that it somehow was a an anomaly it was somehow a miraculous thing that came to Avraham as an individual at three years old he got this he got this he got this understanding that usually somebody wouldn't get at three years old so he says no Rambam wants us to understand that this is a natural process that can take place and that took place he started developing it from when he was small that's when he, and then it developed when he was 40 that's the most important part which Rambam wants to point out for us in a halachic way because we have to know that this is relevant to us Paragraph 7. With this point and this intention, the Rambam continues in the Halakha and he says, how Avram started to answer responses, he started to have um, uh, debates and he answered their questions and once he had been victorious in his proofs, in his intellectual proofs about God, the king, you know what happens when somebody is victorious intellectually? The king wants to kill him. Kill the messenger. And uh, he was calling people from, but a very important, <clears throat> what took place there was that he intellectually won the debate. That's why the king wanted to kill him. And then he went and he taught from it. He gathered groups of people from city to city till he had brought people back to the true path. And he had tens of thousands and thousands. And these were the people of Avram that in their hearts was implanted this big fundamental knowledge of God. In other words, he took the thousands and tens of thousands who were idolatrous. He brought them to the way of truth through intellectual reasoning. And he planted in their hearts this belief, which all of this, again, strengthens the, um, the fact that a person can understand and should understand the negation of idolatry. Chapter 8, according to this, we understand that, what do we? let's go back to Noah. If Noah would be in the generation of Abraham, he wouldn't have been noteworthy. We don't mean that compared to Avram, he wouldn't be noteworthy. We're saying that the language of the Medrash is, were he to be in the generation of Avram, he wouldn't be noteworthy. Because the generation of Avram means not the time when Avram Avinu 
<coughs> became publicized through the people that he had brought to God in Kharan. That only started, <coughs> which that already started in the times of Noah, indeed. We're talking about <laughs> but later on, when the generation became the his generation, when the generation became an Abrahamic generation that fit with his opinions, with his behavior pattern, <coughs> that that didn't happen until um, he was in Orkastim, when he was threatened, when the king wanted to throw him into the, and he threw him into the fiery furnace, because that's when he, the Rambam describes it, Gavar that's when he was victorious in the intellectual debate. It didn't happen no, sorry. This didn't yet happen when he was in Urkastim and he was only intellectually victorious. It didn't even happen when he was um, in Choron. It only happened <clears throat> when he finally made his way to the land of Canaan and there he called out in the name of Hashem and the thousands, tens of thousands uh, gathered around him and he planted into their hearts this big news about Hashem's belief. In other words, I want, one second, I want to finish this, just one second. The the advantage, what we're saying is like this. <clears throat> it's not just, these these people that banded around Avram, the tens of thousands, it's not just because Avram was, had, had, had bested them in an intellectual debate, which that had happened earlier. It's even not because they had understood intellectually the proofs of Avram. And therefore, if it's only because one second, I, I don't know if there is a God, isn't a God, one second, oh, Avram proved it to me. Let me go through that thought process again. Yeah, Avram proved it to me, that God, no idols. But more than that, there came a stage where Shasal Belibam, where he planted into their hearts, he had ingrained within them the knowledge and the recognition of God. It became who they were, just like Avram. They had adopted and they had made Avram's philosophy their philosophy. That can be called the generation of Avram. That generation that is totally um, convinced about God, just like Avram. Then it's Avram's generation. Till then, it's Avram schlepping everybody. Now we understand when we say, if Noah would be in that generation, because that kind of generation was an elevated generation. But that's already when Avram was in his 70s. And then Noah was already gone. Somebody wanted to ask something. Yeah, I have a quick question. Sure. Uh, and I actually know it's a few parts. I just realized. So is there a mention of what happened to the thousands of Jews? Later it says there's only one Jew. You're asking a good question. If he made thousands and tens of thousands, what happened to them after Avram passed? It's kind of uh Missionary work. You're asking a good question, isn't this missionary work? And um, we do do missionary work. But <clears throat> today we do it with Jews. If we had enough time, and one day maybe we will, we would do it with non-Jews to bring them to belief. In, it's the mission of a Jew to bring every human to the belief in one God and the belief in the seven Noahide laws of morality and so on. First of them being belief in God. And not everybody has to be Jewish, but everybody has to, everybody has to concur to the code of, of the seven universal laws of morality which are they're not just seven they're they're they're, they're basically the laws of a of a of a of a, of a god-based society um but the, the question so that question is 
is very clear that that the Avraham Avinu did engage in missionary, but the reason is because this was the truth of the world. The mistake, the the, the departure from proper human humanity was idolatry. The world was created with Adam knowing God, <laughs> Noah, and so on. It wasn't the 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 the, the um, diversion was <laughs> idolatry. Missionizing about belief in God is just exposing the truth in everybody that already existed. And that's what we do, by the way, when we ask Jews to do mitzvahs and so on. We're, we're, we're not missionizing. We're not giving them something that's not theirs. We're trying to help them embrace something that is theirs. And if if they wouldn't have lost it based on the way they were brought up, based on, you know, they would have it themselves. But so it's, but the bigger question is what happened to them? That's the bigger my, question. My question to the so what happened to them? I, I, this is not uh, th this sicha. This sicha is a little bit contrary to what I'm going to say now about what happened to them, um, because here we're saying that they actually bought into the thought process of Abraham, but um, in reality that still wasn't enough because it didn't. It needed to still um, once they didn't have the ongoing inspiration of Abraham, it started to peter out. That's. Uh, but that's um, well. That's why it was so critical for him to have Yitzchak, who would continue to be that guiding light. And when Hashem told him to offer up Yitzchak, that's why it was even more confusing to him. Not just giving up the son he loved physically, but giving up what he understood to be the the, the continuation of the mission of God's mission. How can God tell me to stop His mission? It doesn't make any sense. But anyway, those are all side issues. Go ahead. You're asking we should be telling people not to be idolaters. Yes, we should. But the Rebbe came out in the 80s and said today that we used to not be able to speak about to non-Jews because you spoke to a non-Jew, you were viewed as possibly trying to proselytize and you could be killed for that in most countries till, till not long ago. But in the, so to speak, I, I, I don't know what to call it, the modern world doesn't seem so modern right now. But in the modern world where, uh, you know, it's respectful to speak to people about morals and about values, about religion. So definitely, or Lagoim, to be a, a light unto the nations, to spread, um, to spread belief is definitely, it is an agenda, except that it's, it's secondary because we have, tzedakah starts at home. So we have so many Jewish people that need to, Need help with uncovering their self, but we. But definitely, the Rebbe said, if you if you have engagements, business engagements, or casual encounters, or planes, whatever, you meet a non-Jew, you should try and steer the conversation towards the concepts of morality and God and so on. Yeah. So, speaking of generation, Rambam Lopez, who's in the era of crusades and lots of Christianity, do you think that the sort of strength of power is on? Strong feeling had about it. Uh, it was not only Hamada, but also was in a sense a rebuttal to attacks on Christianity. Interesting. You're saying that Amba was at a time where he was going to, where he implicitly wanted to rebut Christianity and others. Possibly. Possibly. Paragraph nine. According to this, we have to have understand. Now we need to understand some another detail in the continuation of the third Allah where the Rambam says that after the children of Yaakov became a nation that knows Hashem, and then they spent lengthy days in Egypt, 
And then there became a change where they started to forget Hashem. And they started to learn from the deeds of the Egyptian and to be idolatrous like them. And they almost forgot the big, big news, the big point, fundament, that Avraham Avinu had planted within them. But that seems to be the opposite of the whole Perek. If we said that a person comes to it in his own volition, in his own intellectual <coughs> um, cognitive powers, and he knows Hashem, <coughs> here we're saying that even that, that uh, nation that knew Hashem lost that, that power, and they degenerated back into idolatry. I, I mean, once you have an intellectual concept down pat, you shouldn't go backwards from it. So we understand, we can understand this from the continuation of what the Ramam says in that chapter. He says, Hashem loved us and he made us Moshe, the teacher of all the prophets. And he sent him. And once the pro once Moshe Rabbeinu prophesied and Hashem chose the Jewish people as an everlasting inheritance, he gave them mitzvahs. He told them how to serve him and what will be the punishment for idolatry and all those that go after it. The Ramam here is emphasizing the fact that the reality of idolatry and the service of idols, in any which way, even in the way of the mistaken way of Enosh, where it was more subtle, the fact that there's no possibility of it, it can be and should be something that's cognitive, something you come to because of your understanding. However, that's an introduction to the laws of idolatry. Together with that, we have to know that you can't rely only on that. You cannot rely that a person will be in a psychological state of understanding, and this will be the only base upon which we're going to rely to have him stay away from idolatry and to have a belief in God and to serve God. As we see what happened to the B'nai Israel in those days, they were in Egypt, they did come to that recognition, they were a nation that knew God, but when they spent a lot of time in Egypt, and there was that peer pressure in Egypt, even though they were separate from the Egyptians, but there was still this <coughs> relearning of negative ways from the surrounding environs. The children of Yaakov, who had this intellectual, fully down path, belief in God, went back to the mistakes of idolatry. So we need, a, a, we need more than just relying that everybody will come to it based on his intellectual rationalization. So in order to forewarn that the sin of idolatry shouldn't become again something that we fall into. So from the love of Hashem, he sent Moshe Rabbeinu. And Moshe Rabbeinu, and, and we were chosen as, a, as an inheritance. And Hashem gave us mitzvahs and told us how to serve him. In other words, now <clears throat> Hashem has injected his instruction, his power into the, into the pudding, so to speak, into, into the plot. And not just to rely not just about the belief in Hashem, but also how to serve Hashem, which this also, um, we Avraham Avinu came to on his own accord, but we have to know that this for us is already an instruction, something Hashem has injected within our system of serving Him. And we could say that this also is actually relevant lahalacha. In other words, it's not just a, 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 a semantics, because even somebody that has the understanding intellectually that idolatry is, is to be shunned, he also has to not 
<coughs> worship idols not just because he understands the, stu the, 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 the stupidity of it, but because Hashem said not to. In other words, Hashem changed the dynamic. He says this, the source of belief in God is not, is not blind belief, and it's not because Hashem said so. It's, look, that's the way, it's, it's the reality. And you can come to it, you should come to it. And the basis is, think about it, you'll understand. Only God and nothing else should be served. But, because Hashem said we, this could degenerate into, into a place of idolatry, so Hashem gave us the mitzvah said, this is what we have to stick to. And now we already have a, 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 a service, a clearly delineated, do this, don't do that, which keeps us steer, steers us clear of falling into any mistake. Paragraph 10. According to this comes out that in the first chapter of the laws of Avedizah, the Rambam brings two halachas. A, that idolatry is something that should be understood to be irrationally, an irrational kind of uh, um, belief. Number two, that the fulfillment of the actual mitzvahs in, in deed do not have to be built on coming to them of your on your based on your own rational understanding. It's enough to know that Hashem told you to do them. Because Hashem chose Moshe as the prophet, who then transmitted to us <coughs> what he had told us to do. So while we need to have that cognitive, that philosophical aspect, we also have to know that the mitzvah is based on Hashem's instruction. So we have the negative, and that is the prohibition against idolatry. And what's the positive, the flip side of no idolatry is knowing Hashem, knowing about the oneness of Hashem. As the Ramam says in the first book that he opens, his book of Halachas, he says, I'm going to include in this book all the mitzvahs which are the main religion of Moshe Rabbeinu. For example, the oneness of Hashem, the prohibitions of idols. And I've called this book the book of Mada, the first book of Ramam, the book of Mada, the book of knowledge. And he, also where he speaks about the positive mitzvah of, of, of knowing Hashem, he writes it in two ways. The mitzvah of what? No. He writes it in two ways. In the beginning of the laws of the fundamentals of the Torah, it says it like this. A person has to lay that. A person has to know that there is a first being. Know that there is a God. In other words, the mitzvah is not yet belief. The mitzvah is to know, to understand in your mind that there is an original being. There is a supreme being. The creator of, of heaven and earth. And then in the beginning of the book of mitzvahs, the Ramam says, in a different Lashon, he says, Hashem has commanded us to believe in God. We should believe there is a first being. So the commandment is that we should believe with faith higher than intellect in the reality of a source of all things. Notice there's two aspects. There's you can come to it from knowledge. You have to know. And we're, we're instructed to meditate, to know that there is a God. And then we also have to know that there's a mitzvah to believe in God regardless of our knowledge. It's a mitzvah. Irrational faith. <coughs> let's, uh, let's, we have one more paragraph. We're going to come, we'll, then we'll come back to questions. <coughs> paragraph 11. According to this, we can add in the internal knimius, in the inner reading of things. The same way that when we talk about the understanding and the recognition of Hashem in the positive sense, it's not enough to have a knowledge of Hashem based on intellect, because since a person understands it by the imperative of his intellectual reasoning, 
And through re-intellectual reasoning, you can only reach the place where Hashem is the original supreme being. In other words, the only place you can get through cognitive thinking and contemplation is Hashem as the beginning of everything. But the Hashem as, as the beginning of everything is Hashem the way he contracted himself to be able to begin everything. He's so supremely infinite that the beginning is already a, 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 a big contraction. <clears throat> when you take God with faith, you take God without limitations. You believe in God. There's no limits. You believe in God based on a, on a, on a rational argument. This Everything must come from something, so you're you're connected to God at the level where He's the origin of everything. When you believe in God, it's believing in an infinite God. Also, when we talk about the negation of idolatry, so there's also two parts to it. Not just should the negation of idolatry be built on the rationale that doesn't make any sense to be idolatrous, but also the fact that we stay away from idolatry has to be much larger than just because it makes sense intellectually that idolatry is out. Because if you just negate it based on your intellect, <coughs> sometimes a person can get so seeped in, so so immersed into the realities of the world and the world has this impression and person is impressionable and the Intellect of a person is impressionable. And it could be that he's going to devolve into, like the Jews did in Egypt, into losing that rational. He's going to become irrational in the fact that he's going to think idolatry is makes some kind of sense. Because the intellect of man is some kind of an entity, a metzius. It has limitations. That's why intellect doesn't have the, the power to always withstand the, um, the reality of the other creatures. I mean, I'm a created being, so as much as I say the other created beings are non-existent, but I, I am, so they are. So when we say, however, that Hashem gave us the instruction to negate idolatry, so then we, we're, we're latching on to a, an infinite instruction that there's nothing but God. That's why idols don't make any sense. So, so there's a loftier connection we have there. So this is the, the beauty of Understanding that we have to understand as much as we can, on the one hand, that's part of belief and that's part of negation of idolatry. And that's why Rambam brings it into the book of laws, because it's part of the halachas, it's the introduction to the laws of Avedizar. Then the Rambam says also, don't forget, together with that, Hashem has already codified it through Moshe, chose us, gave us mitzvahs. And now we need to stick also to the mitzvah of not doing idols, the mitzvah of belief in God, and the benefit of the mitzvahs are they take us to an infinite place, whereas Things based on our intellect are more limited to our own limitations. That is uh, the end of the Sikha right now.